Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's Grow Guides, we are talking about maximizing the trichomes on your cannabis plants. This is how to make it more frosty, more crystally, make it smell more, make it more potent, all that kind of stuff. Loads of great information in this episode. And we also have our friend Chad Westport joining us for this episode as well. So it's a super cool one. Uh, make sure you roll yourself a fat joint or a bowl, whatever it is you do. Consume cannabis in your favorite method and get super high and enjoy this episode. Also, of course, it is the last Friday of the month right now. So if you are a Patreon and you want to join us for the Patreon session this evening in the Zoom, then check in the VIP section on PersysGrowRoom.com or over on our Discord server and you'll find the link to the meeting in there. Just click that meeting, come and join the session later on and you can get high with us and just chat some shit for a couple of hours. It will be good to see you there. But anyway, for now, let's move on with this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. As I said, roll a fat one, consume cannabis in your favorite method, get super high and enjoy this episode about maximizing tricon production with our friend chad westport enjoy i'll speak to you at the end of this see you in a bit so on this week's grow guides we are on episode 75 and we have taught you everything you need to know about growing cannabis now from start to finish all the equipment you need how to find the best strains how to produce the best flavor. We've done absolutely everything. So we're just looking at the, the finer details of things that we haven't covered yet. And one of those things is how to produce more trichomes on your cannabis plant. And, you know, the trichomes are the things that produce the cannabinoids like the THC and the CBD, and it has the terpenes in there as well. So the more trichomes you have on the plant, the the higher you're going to get if that's what you're looking for and the tastier it's going to be as well. So we're looking at different ways for you to increase your terpene content on your plants to make them more potent and more flavorful as well. So where do we even begin with this shit? This is a, a complex topic, I feel. You know? It's so all, It's um, also well, filled with bro science. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like most of these things are at this stage, man. When you start getting into the more complicated levels of growing cannabis, then it does start to get a bit more bro science and more of a matter of opinion than anything solid. But what were you saying there, Chad? Well, I just uh, was going to say a, a good place to start is just to know that there's three different types of trichomes okay. on the plant. And, you know, it's the, the, the one that we like and that we know and that we see all the pictures of. That's the capitate stocked trichome. The what? Um, capitate stocked. Okay, capitate uh, stalked. Yes, I would hope I'm pronouncing that right. There, there's bulbous trichomes, which if you look at a lot of the leaves, there seems to sometimes be uh, just like little round balls sitting mm. on there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, without the stalks. Uh, so that's one kind of trichome. Uh, and then there's the capitate cecil, cecil uh, trichome as well. But again, the capitate stock trichome is the one that we're typically referring to and seeing in pictures. Nice. So that might be a good place to start. Yeah, man. But they're the ones you want to hunt for, innit? They're the ones you want to grow the most of. 
But, but all yes. trichomes are good. You want to get as many if you can, man. And you can tell when your plant has a lot of trichomes on it because it's frostier. And you want that shit to be frosty, like it's been coated. Mm-mm-mm. So where do we begin? I mean, the first thing you want, if, you, if you're looking at producing a plant with a lot of trichomes on it, genetics is going to be the first thing you want to go for when you want to get the best genetics possible. So you want something which you already know is going to produce a lot of terpenes, uh, a lot of trichomes when it's grown in good conditions. So is there any strains that you guys have grown that uh, has produced a lot of trichomes? Monkey, have you, what's the most <laughs> frosty strain you've grown? Well, Chad, would you want to answer that one for me, please? <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> that would be like Nakatomi Plaza was was like the frostiest I've grown so far. Nice, and no real reason for it other than you know I've, I've been pushing a lot of organics and stuff through the cocoa, and it seems to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's your fault then, Chad. Is that the same for you? What's the frostiest <laughs> you've grown? The frosties that I've grown, that one is up there, but the one that takes the cake for me is the Kool-Aid man. And that was from bee leaf. Um, A lot of the bee leaf cannabis stuff is the frostiest trichome or the frostiest plants I've ever seen. Now the good news for monkey, and I'm happy to uh, send a carrier pigeon there is I have crossed (laughs) that uh, Kool-Aid man while I reversed the Westport grape juice. Holy crap. (laughs) <laughs> i'll give you some of those to play with if you like to Might nice. Be nice we'll see yeah definitely we'll, uh, we'll talk sometimes yes. i hate living in australia <laughs> <laughs> i have your address brother brother you know oh. I, I, I know how to get things I'll, the pigeons uh, fly I'll, that far i'll tell you yeah. <laughs> yeah. a red bull mate so, <laughs> yeah. strap so, a candle so, it's back the, you know the, the bee leaf cannabis that was that was the kool-aid man was my my most frosty strain so far nice what are you saying bubble what's the frostiest you've had mm, it's kind of a kind of it's weird because i've had some widows that have been frosty as and then i would have to i'd have to say it'd be a gorilla glue would would have been mm, one of my mm. most frosty um but then I haven't had the chance to get my hand on some grape juice or some Kool-Aid man or some slurricane for, for that matter. <laughs> he's, he's salivating for some strains over there. Oh, mm-hmm. I want the slurricane. That's the one. That's the one that if anybody wants to buy me a birthday present, that just, just, <laughs> just as many of them as you can. The good ones though. <laughs> that's the problem. The good ones. Yeah. The good slurricanes. Man, I've got oh, a lot yeah, of frosty but... weed, man. But the one which I remember specifically is, the, you know, from Mephisto, the Illuminato 21, the uh, the Sour Crinkle was one which I grew back in the day, which I still remember for being mm. absolutely ridiculously frosty. So he's just got powdery and mildew. <laughs> you know, he's just all fucking yeah. glowing white. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but no, it didn't. And it was fucking frosty. Damn. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, genetics. Genetics are a big part. Mm-hmm. Huge. Huge, definitely, man. And then the so next thing, yeah, definitely genetics number one. Make make sure you get the best genetics possible. And uh, secondly, keeping the plant fucking happy, man. Oh well, yeah, uh, keeping the plant happy and healthy is uh, so it can grow and do what it's supposed to do. But that's a, a big important factor, man. You all find that right? Mm. Oh yeah. 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 Up until up until the question towards the end. But yeah, keep them yeah. happy, keep them healthy. Yes, and that's it when it comes towards the end. 
that that's uh, where the controversy comes in. Right? This is like, do you give it the the do you do any drought stress? Because that's one of the things people like to do: stressing the plant during the flowering cycle. Marco uh, spoke of that when when we had Marco on the show, and he said he likes to uh, drought stress his plant for about ten days halfway through the flowering cycle to introduce those uh, stress hormones. And it was a specific name they had for it. What was he called it? Do you remember, Monkey? No, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, it a, I can't remember what he the metabolites. I think that's what we was talking about. Secondary yeah, metabolites. The yeah, secondary so. metabolites can increase. Yeah, through drought stress. Right. He said, and he said that helps with uh, the terpene production, which is going to be in the trichomes as well. So, what yeah. do you th- any of you guys do that? Any you? All, I mean, monkey, you a cocoa grower? Uh, Bubbles and cocoa yeah. growers. Are, do you do you guys do any kind of drought stress like that, or do you not do it because you're in cocoa? Cocoa is kind of dangerous to do drought stressing in because, as you well mm-hmm. know, you can salt buildups real fast if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. To answer your question, no, in cocoa, I, I don't drought stress. Um, I'll uh-huh. change feed and do things like that. But I know only time I'm doing any kind of drought stressing is, is uh, just watering less as I'm getting toward the end. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What about yeah, you, Ch- I, I, Chad? How do you how do you grow, Chad? You an organic grower? Uh, yeah, I'm in soil, and a lot of times I'll I'll use uh, a water only soil, so like a super soil, or I do have a, a Kiss Organics top amendment, which is organic, um, not above fitting it some cow mag from a bottle if it needs it. So of course, maybe of course, organic. Yeah, maybe yeah. organic is the answer, but soil mm-hmm. that's the important part here. Right, so, so you do do you do uh, drought stress? Yes, I do the drought stress, and it's based off of a study um, that I read maybe a year or two ago, where it took cannabis plants, which is important to me. Again, studies on other plants can give you a hint. Studies on cannabis plants, better idea. Um, but they had a con- control group A and B, and what they did is right before harvest, they gave it. Uh, one group less water turned out to be 10 days. They measured, you know, drought stress by the angle of the leaves. I won't go into all the details, but ultimately what they found was that yes, drought stress towards the end of the cycle increased secondary metabolites. So it didn't add bulk. It didn't make the buds bigger, but it increased the amount of THC, CBD, and, you know, cannabinoids and terpenes within the trichome heads. So ultimately, it helped in that aspect. Mm. Now, do I have the equipment to quantify that here on each run? No, I don't. But yeah. I do it, and my plants are great. So I'm not changing. Nice, man. That's it. And this is one of the things that we recommend to everybody, man, is do these experiments for yourself and see what works well on your own grow. Because it's hard to find you know, proper scientific studies that have been double-blinded and been properly documented so you can see what has actually made the difference. So it's always best to try it yourself, see what works well for you and see what works well on your plants. Like Chad did, you know, Chad, he experimented and found a way that works well with him. So try that. Yeah. yeah. And and to your point too, even though the study that I read used cannabis plants and it showed that it worked, um, I will be the first to say lab environments are different than your home environment. So Mm -hmm. again, you Mm -hmm. have to take everything with a grain of salt as well. Yes. 
So, yes, genetics is the most important thing so far. But you can try those stresses. My opinion is if you can just grow the plant happy and healthily throughout its whole life cycle, then it will give you all that good shit, man. I mean, it might work doing all these throughout stresses, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe you should just keep the plant happy and healthy. And experiment if you have a spare plant and see what happens. That, that is a good way to go. But we have people talking about uh, different kinds of lights as well. Have you seen this where uh, LED lights can produce more trichomes than using HPS, for example? You've seen that kind of stuff? Mm, that would probably be due to some spectrums or something like that. Mm, I've heard mm-hmm. of using um, certain like ultraviolet spectrums to, to induce more trichome production. But I, I mean, I've, I've seen these posts and things like that, but I've never followed anybody who's actually tested that. Mm-hmm. yeah i've heard um especially when it comes to the uv lights as well because i read somewhere and as usual i can't remember where i read it I, I read a lot of things throughout my time and some of it might be bullshit some of it might not be but i read uh like trichomes are produced by the plants in a way to prevent uv light getting through and like when we have uv light here to ask him we get sunburn mm-hmm. and we get a, a suntan then to try and add more melanin to the skin to try and stop the uv lights getting through to our dna and damaging it and the plants are essentially doing the same thing when it comes to the trichomes so they're producing more trichomes to try and stop the uv light getting to the dna and damaging it and this is allegedly why you would find plants that are grown high up in the himalaya will have more trichomes than something that's grown at sea level because that's uh, higher up in the atmosphere the atmosphere is thinner and more UV gets to the plant. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't know how true that stuff is. So if you can incorporate the UV lights into your grow towards the end of flowering in the last few weeks of flower, you know, just for like 15 minutes a day, then that could increase your trichome production as well. Has anybody heard anything like that? Chad, what do you think about that kind of shit? I, I've heard that science. Um but I haven't really been able to confirm it because I mm-hmm, do see mm-hmm. conflicting reports out there. Yeah. Um, Bruce Bugaby is one of the, you know, lead lighting guys when it comes to people to look to uh, for information. He seems to think not necessarily effective to the extent we're talking about. Uh, but then again, I've seen others where, yes, it, it, it increases by a percentage. So the jury's out here. I do have a new UV lamp that I just got sent. Uh, I'm going to try it on this next run with a, a strain that I'm familiar with. But in most of these cases, again, without super like technical equipment to quantify it, I usually don't notice a difference. So jury's mm-hmm. out for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same for me, really. What about you, Bob? What do you think about the UV lights? Um. I honestly think that it's it's more to do with the quality of the spectrum uh, overall, and it's so as close I mean, to sunlight like, as possible. As close as you can get to sunlight. Like I get the UV, the UV things. I haven't tried them personally. I've seen people use them as as Chad said, and they get results. And you know whether that whether you can quantify those results is the the real key. But I mean, I've grown stuff outdoors that has been just filthy dripping you know looking like it's just been dripped in um in dusting sugar but it's i think that inside between the leds versus hps and and stuff i I would be going led if you're chasing trichome production 
Yeah, I'd agree with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Monkey? What do you think? UV Anything. lights, any good? Um, UV lights, I wouldn't really know. I, I have I've had LED lights that had UV incorporated in them, but I haven't had any dedicated UV, so there's really no way of telling how much UV I've had uh, exposed to it. So I really don't have any direct comparisons to add on that at all. Big Blazer said there in the chat as well, CMH. Yeah, CMH was a good fucking light, man, and that produced some nice mm. frosty buds for me as well. Because remember back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember this shit, but um, when we were doing HPS and metal halide growing and using the two different bulbs and the high-intensity discharge lights, <laughs> you'd use the HPS throughout the majority of the flowering period, but then you'd flick to the metal halide for the last couple of weeks because it will think about the plant is heading towards the winter time because uh, the light at winter time is more into the blue spectrum than the red spectrum like it is in summer. So when you flick that light into the blue spectrum, then that makes the plant think that the life cycle is coming to an end soon because the light's got more blue and then it starts to produce more trichomes. You heard of that stuff before? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people do it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we, I honestly think we're kind of right at the start of what we can get lights to get these plants to do. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and we we've not really. I mean, I know some people have tested it, but most of these, most of the big companies that are growing aren't out there doing these tests, and they would be the ones that you'd be able to get. You know, people people that have multiple rooms with massive massive runs of the same strains. Um, you know, having having them try and finish with a blue light um, versus the normal. Mm. spectrum with with more of the reds and stuff and see if that makes a change that that would be a, the way to go but yeah. um i i've i've seen i you know personally i i didn't really go down that route of, of swapping out to the metal halides and stuff um mainly because i was lazy and because i was doing a lot of outdoor growing during that time uh i just let it run but um i know blokes that did it and yet yeah, it to me seemed like it changed and you get more of a more trichome production towards the end. But then again, right. that's part of the plant finishing, I suppose, as well, because you're always mm-hmm. going to get that big frost over right near the end. Mm-hmm. So, so far, what we have as recommendations for anybody who wants to increase their trichome production is uh, just get the right genetics so far. Everything else is just a maybe, you know, <laughs> the drought stress and UV lights added to the grow and things like that. It, it could work, but it, there's no definite just yet the only thing you can do to definitely get some frosty ass plants is to make sure that you've got good genetics and you're growing it well so and of course use good light make sure that you're using a decent light you know light that's uh, suitable for your floor space but then we have the addition of co2 what do you all think about that do you think the uh increasing the co2 in a grow room can help with trichome production what do you think about that chad I don't know specifically if that would relate to more trichome production, but one thing that instantly pops in my mind with CO2 is you need to run the light higher and hotter and maybe Mm -hmm. the additional temperature might, you know, bake off some of these extra terpenes that you're getting. So that would be my concern without actually knowing the the real answer here. That's, That's about right. That's about where I'd sit. It's mm-hmm, you're, you're mm-hmm. kind of changing more than one thing. Yeah, that's it. And it like only just, ever change just, one thing at a time as well. So you know what's making the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Monkey? And that's you... sorry, Chad. 
Oh, no, go, go. As you know, again, a lot of these things like that stress technique that I mentioned with the water, again, it's, it's still debated, but I just want to qualify all of or these little things we're talking about. They're meant to only get like a few more grams, a minimal mm -hmm. amount mm -hmm. of increase that at the home level, it's not significant. But if you have mm -hmm. a 60,000 square foot facility, it's going to make a difference in your bottom yeah. line. So Absolutely. just yeah. so yeah. people aren't like, I have to do this. Otherwise it's garbage. You nailed it. I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, Mackie uh, genetics, man, that's, that's mm -hmm. your best answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this you is, know, sorry, Monkey. back back this is back to the CO2 question. I've never been able to run it properly, so I have no information on it. I mean, running CO2 is a lot more complicated than most beginning beginning growers understand. And may, some people might think they're getting a benefit from a mushroom bag or something to that effect. The benefit's going to be minimal. So I don't think that running CO2 for a home grower is the answer to increasing tripod mm -hmm, productions. Mm -hmm, no. no, wouldn't go there. Right. How deep do you go down that CO2 rabbit hole? That's the other side of that. Mm -hmm. Are you going fully closed loop systems? Are you... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and I kind of want my home grow to kind of be easy. I don't want to have to complicate it like that. So, and yeah. I can but, do enough without, without CO2. So I don't ever feel like I'm missing anything. So, so far we have the genetics, which is like, definitely that's going to make a big difference. You know, the different kinds of lights, UV lights and things like that. Maybe that makes a difference. Grow with LED over HPS, and that most likely will increase the trichome production, but not, not by too much. And then uh, the stresses, drought stresses and things like that, that could increase the uh, the trichome production, but it, there's no definite answer to that one. But there is one which will definitely increase your trichome amount. That is harvesting your plant at the correct time. Okay. You know what I'm saying, lads? Yeah, mm -hmm. Because uh, towards the end of the plant's life, this is when it's pushing out most of the, the trichomes, the terpene production. You know, this is all happening in the last few weeks of the grow. So if you allow your plant to reach its full potential and its full maturity, then that's when it's going to have the most amount of trichomes on it. So do you all agree with that? I suppose you all do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you'll tell. You'll, you'll see it. You'll mm -hmm. see like, you know, it's going along and it's looking real nice and frosty, real nice and frosty. And then within a couple of days, it's just filthy, just covered mm -hmm. in it. And it's, but it's, yeah, there's a window. And I suppose that's where, what when we talk about the harvest window, that's sort of where we're looking. Once yeah. You can see those little changes starting to happen, but you're right. You leave it to the right point. And, but it's all um, them trichomes when they, uh, when they first grow, they're all clear and, you know, transparent. So the light passes through them a certain way, but as they get, uh, more and more mature until when they get into a their perfect uh, their perfection level you know they start to go milky and the more milky trichomes you have the frostier the buds look because the light can't pass through it the same way as the clear ones and that that's what mm -hmm. makes them look really fucking frosty man so and th that's when you know the plant is coming to its end is when it starts to look frosty like that rather than clear if you know what i mean it's not really clear yeah. the trichomes yeah. to me they actually take on almost a, a slight beige almost a tint to them in, in the led lights that they they look different they're more dusty looking if you will i'm going like yeah now she's starting to mature that's that that's the turning point that i'm talking about with bubble what he, he was talking about yeah i've seen that many many times uh that's like your signal okay i'm getting ready to start finishing here get ready for me yeah yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So that's an important one. 
Yeah, but well, suppose... I'm going to throw out there too as, as being mm. an important part on there is, you know, you want to make sure you plant as the right nutrition and, and ample nutrition. And that's something I've been playing with a lot. Being a cocoa grower, people say, well, you just cocoa grow, you're growing in salts. Well, that's not exactly what I've been doing. I've been playing with a lot of microbes, a lot of organics, mixing, mixing it all in there with the salts, trying to find what the magic formula is for the, the balance between uh, terpenes and trichomes in, in, in there. But yeah, I honestly believe that if you're looking to increase your trichome production, keeping your nutrition maxed out and maybe tweaking it here and there is, has some mm -hmm, promise. Mm -hmm. Definitely, uh, you know, because the, the during the flowering stage, there plants gonna be using a lot of phosphorus and potassium, and that's gonna help with the trichome development as well. So make sure that the plant is properly fed. But you, what you added there, monkey, with like bacteria and microbes and shit like that, yes. that can apparently make a big difference on the trichome production as well. Especially the uh, the terpene production; these different bacteria can make the plant uh, produce certain terpenes, which is interesting as well. So I yeah, think adding have... uh, bacteria is a good one, but whether it's it's uh, whether it does make a difference or not, I think is up in the air. It's no no definites to it. I haven't seen any studies. It probably is. You know. I don't have access to testing, so there's no way mm. I can test it. I just know that people who have sampled my cannabis from before I started using microbes in organics, and to, to people who are, have sampled it now, like what I'm doing now better. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to continue on that course. What's your thoughts well, on that, Chad? Yeah, well, well, to me, that would probably make sense because, uh, you know, trichomes and terpenes specifically in nature, the cannabis plant adapted them as like repellents and sometimes attractors for pollinators. But a lot of times these terpenes and the covering of trichome is to protect it from insects, is to protect it from animals. So it's almost mm -hmm. like a defense mechanism. And I'd oh, imagine. Oh, that, that one smells like dog shit. Ugh. <laughs> hey, don't, I don't want that one. <laughs> right? This one but, smells you know, like baby sick. Of, yeah. Well, it's the terpenes got to come from something, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds delicious. We me. recognize them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think the introduction of microbes uh, could stimulate the plant in a way to produce more uh, trichomes or terpenes. Don't have mm -hmm. backup for it, but I suspect it. Yeah, that, and that's exactly where I am. I have no way to back that up other than my friends and myself say I like the cannabis better like this. Yeah, man. So I'd be yeah. interested to see where, whether those microbes and and obviously microbes from different mm -hmm. uh, different areas in in the world whether it's drawing out different genetic markers to get it to do that, and whether mm. it, you could you could get specific terpenes to produce by using specific microbes. That'd be a, a fun thing to dive into. It would be. Um, I don't think we're set up for that right now, but yeah, that no, sure would no, be fun. no, it's just a, yeah. Just You'd a have to get the, the same cut to this, to people around the world to use mm, various yeah. microbes to grow in their environment and try and eliminate so many variables. It would be a big, big project, but it would be very interesting. Yeah. Mm. So what else can we say about, uh, increasing the trichome production because it, uh, most of the things we've come up with here is just a little bit of bro science here and there not necessarily bro science it's just that things can't be confirmed as easily as we would like them to be there's no definite answers to this of what's going to work and what isn't going to work you know but you can definitely say that choosing the best genetics possible is going to definitely make a difference 
you know, uh, making sure that the plant is grown happily and healthily for its ha- throughout its whole life cycle is definitely going to make a difference, you know, uh, and making sure it's fed properly during the flowering stage will definitely make a difference. And of course, the harvesting time as well. If you harvest the plant at the correct time, then it's going to have a shitload of trichomes on it. So there, there's some things that will definitely make a difference. But the other things are just up in the air and not necessarily with the microbes. The microbe thing is up in the air, but it's not as high up in the air as the other things like using a UV light or using CO2, you know. So there's different different levels of this stuff, uh, of what will definitely work and what might work and what just nobody knows if it's going to work or not. You know, in the common well, sense one thing, thing that I see mentioned. Oh, go ahead, monkey. Well, I was go ahead. You, you're already on. Go. <laughs> well, thank you. Special guest guy gets priority yeah. over. Oh, <laughs> of course, that's why of I'm course. special. We're special polite over guy. here. <laughs> Jolly, you're right on. Um, you know, I was just gonna say I see a couple people in chat mentioning something that I always tried to harp on. Martin K420 says careful trimming increases trichomes. It doesn't add, but it doesn't subtract. And jugglings mm-hmm. trimming is a good point. Handle with care. Uh, yeah. These trichome heads are very fragile, and if you treat it roughly while harvesting or trimming, you're gonna knock some off. So another great way to increase your trichomes: good handling. And, yeah. and, and we were on the same page. I was going to actually go during the grow. I mean, as, as an early grower, I was always tempted to feel how firm the buds were. Don't do that, please. Give them Don't. a little squeeze at the top, you know, <laughs> and then smell your fingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that you're doing is you, you're wasting trichomes. You're ruining yeah. things for the bud. So, yeah, be, be, a, be a conscious grower and, and do what's best for the plant, not what you really feel like doing. Yeah. Don't touch the plant if you don't have to, man. Don't, it's not a good idea. Well, don't touch your, don't touch your stuff. Mm-hmm. You no, mold no, spores on it, and then you're fucked. <laughs> right? Does anybody Admire else cringe? What's that? Sorry, anybody bubble? else Sorry? cringe when you see? Um, I was just gonna say, does anybody else cringe when you see people like they'll snip it off the plant and they're just throwing it in buckets oh. and they're throwing like bud on top of bud on top of bud, and you're like, just no, please. Or digging into me. that bucket and like stirring it and squeezing yeah. buds every yeah. effing time, mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. effing mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. Just yeah it's an important one for sure, man. It's a, like be very careful with the buds, even when they are dry. You know, especially when they're wet, when you're trimming and shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when they're growing, be very careful with them, man. But even when they're dry, don't fuck with them for no reason, man. The only reason why you want to touch them is to put them into a grinder. Don't mess with them. You know, don't, don't shake them around too much when they're curing and things like that. Just move them around and. Just be very careful. Just understand that those trichomes on the surfaces of the buds are easily damaged. And if you can smell the bud, then the terpenes are evaporating from the bud. Mm-hmm. So try not to make it so you can smell it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just like nothing that. quite like harvesting your own bud that looks like it's been rolled in powdered sugar. That is a beautiful mm-hmm. sight, man. And that's it yeah, as well. With the, um, you know, with the harvesting, you harvest at the right time. And drying and curing properly might not increase the amount of trichomes that you have on your buds, but it does increase their potency and their flavor and shit if they're treated correctly. So, you know, dry at the right temperatures, uh, dry with the right humidity. Uh, don't get the buds wet again once they're dried, you, you know, with the whole curing thing. Because when you put them into jars and it becomes airtight, then the moisture inside the bud disperses back to the outside of the buds. And if you get those terpenes wet again, then they don't taste as good. They, they lose some of their flavor. So just make sure you're drying and curing properly. That's going to make a big difference to the 
not the overall quantity of the trichomes, but definitely the overall quality of the trichomes. So be careful with the uh, trying and curing stage as well. I would say. Here, here. But what else can we add here for the? I mean, th there's them um, feeding the plants a shitload of sugar. You know, what, like uh, blackstrap molasses. People like to add towards their their medium at the end there sometimes. Yeah, that you, yeah I, I don't like any of that stuff either. It's well, it's just all too much, isn't it? Exactly. That's that's mm -hmm, the whole point mm -hmm, in that. Mm -hmm. It's not. Yeah, I will use a ripening PK. I use uh, what's the one I use? Overdrive. Uh, right, right. My for my advanced newts. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does help them fatten up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's it good shit. Right? Adds, I don't think it adds any trichome production though. But mm -hmm. that is one thing that I do. But I mean, I find that a properly fed plant is going to be more overall balance and trichome rich than a plant that's been pushed and overfed yeah so you know be be kind to your plants and they'll they'll definitely reward you in the end that's right a nice healthy plant but marco does recommend and marco is an award-winning cannabis grower with some tasty ass fucking weed man so this is something that you definitely need to try if you haven't checked out the interview that we did with him yet then go and check that out because there's loads of good info in there but he does do that drought stress in in the middle of his uh in the middle of the flowering period so give that a shot on one of your plants sometimes and, and see if it works out see if that increases the tricon production or the terpene production if marco says well it does do it then i'm willing to just take his word for it then man because the guy knows what the fuck he's doing so mm. I'm going to try that whole drought thing next time I do a soil grow. Uh, I think I'll be trying oh, that, uh, to be fair, anyway, because I keep looking into the plants, they're all droopy, and I'm like, oh, did I not water you this week? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but they're yeah. all right. They're all right. They're all right. Yeah, this is the thing I've been finding with uh, random tension, everybody. You know, growing in soil, it, it's made me so lazy. It, yeah. It's like I just check in every three or four days to make sure everything's okay. And sometimes I can overlook it and maybe even go five days and then check and be like, is everything okay? It's like, yeah, it's all good, but it needs watering after that amount of time. When when you're growing in cocoa, you just know it's seven o'clock, have to water the plants. Seven yep. o'clock, have to water the plants. Seven o'clock, have to water the plants. Just do that for 90 days, you know? <laughs> There's no fucking around, you know? So that kind of uh, works for me. So I'm thinking about going back to Coco for the next one and do some autos from Mephisto. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be I just, shit. I just like Coco because it's I'm in there every day. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm I know I'm putting everything in. I'm making sure it's happy. It's easy to fix if something goes sideways. So the only downside is the amount of water and just what like twenty liters of water in a bucket. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's a bit much. I don't know. 20 liters, that's a day's worth of water for cocoa, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that'll get me through. Make, Generally yeah. get me through two feeds. Yep, that's in uh, five gals. Right, and I'm feeding twice a day, so that's one day for me. Yeah. Sounds about right, man. But yeah, random but tangent there. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you're growing in, in the medium that is suitable for you. Okay, everybody, it depends on your whole situation and what kind of person you are, if soil or cocoa or any other form of hydro will be the best for you. And I, I just miss growing in cocoa. Growing in numbers worked so well for me. You, know, you just fucking, I just know this pH, this EC, add the water, get some runoff. There you go, scoop up runoff, 
Jobs are good and see you tomorrow. You know, <laughs> easy, easy. <clears throat> Keeps you Very, honest too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very predictable. Yeah, so David, I mean, is there anything else we can add here about increasing the tricon production? Because I think we've just about covered everything, right? Yeah, there's really no magic here. It's the only thing everybody mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. needs to, to realize. That's it. The, the only thing that it can be considered anything where to be magic is the choosing the correct strain in the first place. Get genetics that you know are going to be as frosty as fuck, man. And the only way you can tell that really is by uh, looking online at the previous pictures and previous grows from Grow Diaries on Percy's Grow Room, for example. You can see which ones have been frosty, uh, of what breeder, what genetics, what what strain. You'd be able to find that stuff out in Grow Diaries and figure out which one you want to grow, man. You really got to put the work in to, to find the right genetics and then grow it properly. You know, keep it happy, keep it healthy, keep the environment nice, feed it the right amount of food. Give it the right amount of PK during the flowering cycle. You know, then just keep the happy plants, man. Maybe do that drought stress halfway through if you're growing in soil. But don't go too dry because you don't want to kill your microbes. You know, it's a fine balance, man. And then, of course, make sure that you wait until the plant is actually finished before you harvest it because it will produce a shitload of trichomes towards the end of its life cycle. Towards the end of the flowering cycle, it will just produce a shitload more trichomes. Man, it'll get frosty, it'll get stickier, it'll get stinkier, and that's what you want. So wait until the right time before you harvest it. And when you do harvest it, harvest it carefully. Don't punch around the buds, don't squeeze them, don't roll them about in your hands, don't lay them down on something if you don't have to. You know, if you can trim it and hang it, that would be perfect, man. And try and keep minimal contact with anything on the buds so you don't damage your trichomes then as well. And that's about it, really. Anything else to add for the trichome thing there? Any, anybody want to add something? But that's a resounding no. That's a yeah. definite no. It's uh, definitely no. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a resound. That that's, was such a resounding no. I'm going to have to edit two seconds of silence out, and it will still be too much silence. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just just put a cricket in there, mate. You know, do, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add that to the sound desk. I'm gonna get a little cricket sound. That's a good idea, man. Fucking 75 episodes in, and we haven't had a cricket sound. That's a good idea. I'm gonna have to get some cricket sounds. But we do have some good questions as well in the list of mail section of the show notes as well. We we had some good questions sent in by the listeners. So thanks to you guys who have taken the time to send us some questions. That's very cool. We do like to answer some of your questions on the show as well. So uh, from Filmy Bowls, he was an interesting one, and it's regarding uh, this stuff as well. Is there a specific strain of cannabis that has more trichome count than any other strain, and could it be potential problem? Could it be, uh, and could that be a potential problem in some geological locations? Hmm. I'm not sure what you mean about that. I mean, like in in illegal areas where it, it just gets too stinky or something. I don't know, specific strains. We kind of covered that at the start of the Grow Guides there. And, uh, any strains you would mention again, lads? N- Nakatomi Plaza, you say, Monkey? Oh, I love that one. I mean, yeah, but of course, you know, those seeds are not quite available right now, but if you can get your hands on some, I'd recommend them. Mm-hmm. And what was your guy, Chad? What did you say about your guy? Uh, Belief Cannabis. Belief Pretty Cannabis. Much anything from him. Yeah, he's out of Oklahoma. Belief, B-E-L-E-A-F. Uh nice. Yeah, anything from him is just freaking diamond covered. Sweet. And I recommend the Mephisto's for growing some autos with lots of frost on there. The, the strains that grew from them. 
but always very frosty. So definitely check out Mephisto if you've got autos, everybody. They are the fucking dogs. Bollocks, man. And check out the interview that we did with those as well, if you haven't done that already. That was a good interview, man. was a good interview. Yeah. It was a damn good show. It was a damn good show. <laughs> good what are you saying there? Yeah, man. As usual, we always have good times with our guests. Yeah. What are you saying that uh bubble? What was you what was your recommendation for best strain for, for tricon production? If if you can get your hands on it, slurricane or gorilla glue. Um the slurricane, mm-hmm. I think the in-house genetics version is the better one. Um, but don't quote me on that. I'll find it, I'll chuck it up on the forum somewhere. But nice. it was wild. Yeah, if anybody really wants to give Bubble Hawk a birthday present, Christmas present, whatever kind of present, slurricane. Yeah, even if you're just feeling like you want to send me something because, you know, you're a nice guy <laughs> and I'm a nice guy and, you know, that's, that's all good. Slurricane it is. <laughs> and he likes slurricane and you like slurricane. And so, yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody wins. It's win-win. Right. Then we had uh, Hashimoto who consumed lots of cannabis and asked us the question. He must have consumed a lot of cannabis for this one. I have a question for the panel and listeners. If there was <laughs> High on Homegrown, the movie, who would play their parts? This is my suggestion. Mackie would be Jason Statham. Oh, my Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Monkey would be Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, Bubble would be Chris Hemsworth. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, good. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying about you there, Bubble. That's shocking. <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Good Thank stuff. you. Yeah. And then Marge would it. be Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. But who would Chad be? Who would play Chad? The guy on the couch. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah the guy in the couch from Half Baked, you know. Perfect. Yeah. They're good. Listen, you can't drink too much on me, man. You need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking. There's a great character, and nobody knew who. It's like, why don't you ask your guy for some money, man? He's not my guy. That's Brian's guy. I don't know who he is, man. I thought he was your guy. <laughs> hey, the guy. guy. You gonna pay any rent anytime soon? Shit. Just some Australian backpacker, like. <laughs> it's never left. But yeah, no, no, Tommy was, uh, Chong. Yes, that was an epic yes. movie. As Chad's role, Tommy oh, Chong is Chad. <laughs> yeah, oh, so man. I mean, who who would you? Uh, I would probably have um, Morgan Freeman play me, just because it will be on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. just because he wants to have Morgan Freeman. Play. No other reason, just because. I mean, I just want the Morgan Freeman meme going. Yes, yes. <laughs> but in the, in, the, in Shawshank Redemption, right in the book on Shawshank Redemption, Red, who is played by Morgan Freeman, was actually a white guy who was ginger, and that's why he was called Red was because of the color of his hair. But in the movie, they made it Morgan Freeman, which was made it better. That was, that was the, the the best role that he's ever played, man. That was a fucking great role in Shawshank. It's just crazy how the how it differs from the story like that. Random tension. I just, I just want to see Morgan Freeman say two weeks. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying Morgan <laughs> Freeman going on an angry rant about politics being yeah. crooked. You know? yeah. Two weeks. Angry, <laughs> ang- angry rant about the state of UK politics. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know these motherfuckers, man. 
<laughs> Monkey, who would you say would, would would play you in a movie? Actually, I read this question earlier. I had to think about it. I would go Jeff Goldblum. Nice. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why, why not? Why not? That would work. Yeah, two weeks. You know? <laughs> 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 but what are you say, man? Who would play you? Again, um, Bindi Irwin or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Paul Hogan. It would have to be Paul Hogan. <laughs> Who's that guy again? Who's that's Paul Hogan? Awesome. Why do I recognize that name? That's a that's knife. That's, that's, not, no, that's, that's Crocodile you know? Dundee. Yeah, that's, that's Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, that's give me a wallet. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Call that a knife. I've got a knife. It's <laughs> not, not a knife. knife. This is a knife. <laughs> yeah. And who would play Marge? Everybody good night. <laughs> I think Marge should be played by Beyonce or Rihanna. Oh that would be Lord, cool. that would be yes. <laughs> random. Yeah, man, good, good times. Good question there, Hashimoto. A nice random tangent for us to all go on and be fun. But Jason Statham, I'm sure I've told the story before. How I hate those movies, the the transporter movies. Mm. You know that shit. God damn, with Jason Statham and his ridiculous level of unbelievable skill where he sees the bomb <laughs> attached to the bottom of the car because of the flashy red light on it. And he sees the reflection of it in a puddle while he's at some dodgy meeting. So as he drives away, expecting the car to be blowing up anytime soon, he's, he's at the docks, drives the car faster and faster. It hits a ramp on just two wheels, so it spins. And as the car is spinning through the air, it turns upside down and there's a crane hook that hits the bomb off the bottom of the car and the car continues to spin and lands on all four wheels, never breaking an axle or popping a a wheel or breaking a suspension, just lands perfectly and continues to drive minus the bomb that was on the bottom of the car. And it's like, that's just, no, I I can't suspend my belief in reality that much to believe that could actually happen. You can't do that? That's my average Tuesday. Oh, exactly. shit, really? Is it just that's me? I'm just a shit commute. driver. Oh, that's no. How, that's how oh, I parked no. my car this morning, bro. <laughs> oh, like a glove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it's my driving skills. I need to reassess myself. I'll, I will try it this week and let you know how it went on next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, as I try and drive my car in between the, the, the two tires and the trailer of a semi, just try and drive underneath. Oh, it doesn't fit. Jason Statham could do it. You can do God it. Damn. God damn. What would Jason do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a little bracelet. <laughs> you know, it just lay back on the seat and go sideways and take the roof of the car off. It'd be okay. But Mackie must be from the city, not the countryside. That's exactly what it is, Joe Glance. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so uh, interesting question there, Hashimoto. Thank you. Uh, Beaker Bongs sent in an interesting question here, which I think is an important one. How long after a seed breaks soil do you turn your fans on? And for me, it's straight away, man. Even before it comes out, I have a little plastic cup over the top of where I planted the soil. In, in well, sorry, well, planted the seed in the soil or the cocoa. I'll put a plastic cup there to keep the humidity locked in until the shoot comes up. And as soon as the shoot comes up, that 
plastic cup comes off and there's fans straight on it because the fan blowing on the stem will strengthen it. You, you need that. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. And it, if you don't have that breeze blowing to strengthen the stem, then the stem can fucking shoot up as well. You know, as well as having the light close enough, if the light's really far away, that seedling will shoot up a ridiculous amount and just be too tall and maybe even fall over on itself. But you also need the fan on it as well to make sure that it doesn't shoot up as well. It needs to make make sure it's concentrating, um, building a big, thick, sturdy stem, and you need a fan on it for it to be able to do that. So straight away, man, does anybody else do that? Any Anything different? No, just note that you don't want a seedling. Up. It's going to be a weak fan. You don't want a strong fan. You'll mm-hmm. dry the seedling out if it's too strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oscillating is be- level. Yeah, oscillating yeah. is best if you can yeah. do that. If you can afford to get that done, yes. Yeah, oscillating fans important, man. Yeah. You don't want to ever just constantly blow wind at a plant because you can give it wind blow. Mm-hmm. And like Monkey said as well, it can evaporate the moisture from the soil too quickly and dry the seed out. So bear that in mind as well. Just a gentle breeze and you turn get, it up as just, they get older. Just get the seedling rocking gently in the breeze. Just gentle rockings, all you need. Yeah, if it's like ah. It's too much. No, not hurricane. No. And if if your fan is too strong, try bouncing the wind off of a wall before Mm. it gets to your seedlings. Yeah, turbulence. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that um, that video of the sunflower that they've taped to their the post on the deck, and it's just like full blown thunderstorm blowing through. This thing's just (laughs) hanging on for dear life. Yeah, if it looks like that, that if it looks like that, then there's a problem. Just. Pointed away from the plant. A palm tree in mm. a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. So straight away, then, mate, but you know, not too strong. And as Chad said, if if your fan is a strong one, don't point it directly at the ceiling, blow it against the wall so the the wind can bounce off the wall. That would work well. Yes, it's a good one. Uh, Billy Barnes has one. If your flower room is in continuous use, what products can you use to keep it clean? A good question, man. Bubba, what do you think mm. about this? I, just, I use, yeah, I use the, uh, like eucalyptus oil in water and I'll just right. give the tents a wipe down when I pull a plant out or just give the walls a wipe mm-hmm. down. And just because because pretty much, uh, you know, for the listeners, you don't want to use anything that has too much of a high scent because it might affect the terpenes on the bud. You want to use something that's got a little, a low scent as possible and nothing too strong that's going to damage the tent lining as well. There's nothing worse. Like if if I've finished the run, I'll do a full bleach clean out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I let let it sit with the fans on for a couple of days, just drying out before I I pack anything away. But if if I've got plants in there, I'm not using bleach. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I use the the eucalyptus because it's a little bit of oil in with some hot water. It'll kill off any bacteria as well, um, any mm-hmm. mold spores or anything like that. Just a nice quick wipe down. And that scent's gone pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And see, and before you do anything, it's like, take the plants out, man. That, that'll be the uh, the best thing to do. You, you don't want to be cleaning around your plants. You'll be knocking them. You might fall over <laughs> and land on them. You might spray on the wall. It's going to bounce off the wall and that could land on the plants. You don't want any of that shit taking place. So if you're in flower, then take the plants out of the tent. And if you can't do that because it's in a scrug or something, then just be very careful, man. Don't spray things directly onto the cloth, not on the wall. Just try and reduce how much contact that any liquids are having with the actual plants themselves. Be careful with that shit, man. Chad, absolutely... what would... Sorry, Bubble. 
was going to say, if you absolutely have to spray, you can get um, the plastic painter's drop sheets and you can throw them over the top of the plant, give it a quick spray mm-hmm. and then pull it off and it won't damage anything on the plant. Yeah, nice plan. What are you saying, Chad? How do you clean your tent during flowering? Yeah, all good points made here. Um, I think you guys covered them. I usually go in between rounds and then I clean it. Usually a mm-hmm. light bleach mm-hmm. wipe down, let it air out. But yeah, if you're if you're in flower, just take them out of the tent. Um, my main reason would be like, why do you have to clean while it's in flower? What mm-hmm. environmental condition are you not? Well, this was That's from Billy. And Billy, <laughs> he will do things in that tent that most people wouldn't yeah. be doing. So he's he's going to have things that he needs to clean up. Because he's drying his socks in the tent at the same yeah. time he's growing his flannels. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. gonna be okay, all sorts okay. Of... Yeah. Maybe leave the socks in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're ripe enough to kill anything else off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, there you go, Billy. Uh, Monkey, did you say, what, what, did, what would you use to clean your tent, man? You know what I use to clean my tents with? Monkey vinegar, right? Of course. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Remember the monkey vinegar? No, I use, I use a regular white vinegar and water solution to clean almost everything in my tent, any pots, anything like that. Now, I do use bleach if I'm going to go after, like, thoroughly clean used pots. I want to make sure that they're sterile again. But just for general cleaning and wiping down of tents, vinegar and water is what I use. Nice. Easy, cheap and food safe that's right man and you should be able to keep your grow tent clean for the whole period of the grow really you know give it a good clean before you start your next grow and clean it after as well you know clean it in between grows There's, there shouldn't really be any need to clean it in between uh, you know the germination to the harvest but uh, i think as billy says here though it's like if it's in uh, continuous use so if you don't ever end the grow, you know, then yeah, you take all the plants clean. out, get, give them a good fucking clean and you just let the plants sit under the normal, the, the normal light in the room for a few hours, man. Looking to consider it a cloudy day or something, you know? I mean, if, it, if the tent's in constant use and you were trying to clean around them, I think I would be tempted to try and employ, uh, use a shop back between the plants for some mm-hmm. reason, just to pick up debris and then, you know, clean around the plants, wipe down the best you can with some kind of a non-toxic solution as best best I could. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. might get your best bet if you can't empty the tent. But like everybody said, if I could empty that tent, I guarantee you I would. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to clean the blades of your fans. That's why, everybody. The blades I of the fans pick up loads of fucking dust. That's so, a hard job. Mm-hmm. No fun. Yeah, vacuum the floor. Yeah, that's yeah. a good suggestion. There's Make sure you do that nothing too. Nothing worse though than coming in and your fans just got this like three inch stringer hanging off it, blowing towards your plant. It's just <laughs> dust and hair. And... Never <laughs> seen that. The shit no. comes up, man. <laughs> the dust ball comes loose, and now it's on top of your buds. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You just it's not a fun thing to spot in the tent. <laughs> yeah. So, do we have an episode on cleaning? tents i think we do or maybe we, we don't early on talked about it you used milton I, that's how i know you, which yeah you yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not nice sterilizing fluid yeah it's yeah. a sterilizing fluid but they use to sterilize baby bottles 
Right. It's okay. like a, a light bleach, light chlorine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Kind of like this the same stuff they use for sterilizing glass and stuff in pubs. Yeah. Cleaning. Mm -hmm. so it's not too strong, but it just kills you. Uh, is that the blue solution barbers use? Uh no, that's a uh, what's Barbicide. that called? Barbicide, that's called, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little okay. different. But I did notice as well using um shit like that, like Milton or something that's high in chlorine. If you got metal pipes on your tent, that Ooh. can rust it really quickly. No, vinegar so, will do the same thing. Vinegar will eat your mm. metal up too, so be careful. Just be careful of that shit, man. Just use a light bleach solution is always a, an easy idea, man. Just spray that shit, wipe it down. Make sure you dry your poles before you uh, leave everything. You know, you don't want to just leave it on there because it will cause them to rust. Well, the secret of cleaning anything is to make sure after you wash it, you dry it because you've got to get that mm. dirty water out of your tent because you just, you know, you wiped your tent down. You got all the dirt in, in the water. Now you got to get that dirty water out of your tent to get a really clean tent. So mm -hmm. wipe it down, dry it. Good question. Uh, I think that's that's all of them we have here. I don't think there's anything in the chat for us to answer. Uh, well, is there anything else to add here from anybody? Nope. I think we're good, right? That's about it, yeah. That's about it. So let's go to the outro. Let's do it. And there we go, everybody. That was this week's Grow Guides. Next week, we'll be talking about understanding cannabis genetics. We're talking about land races, hybrids, and phenotypes. So we're going to be covering lots of that in next week's show. If you want to join us for when we record the show, then head over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash high on homegrown at 9 p.m. on Sunday night if you're in the UK. That's 4 p.m. Eastern time and 1 p.m. Pacific. So if you are free on Sunday, come and join us for the live show. It will be good to see you there in the live chat. We record the news there. We have a little session in the middle where we just talk about random stuff. And then we cover the grow guides as well. And we can also answer your listener mail questions if you have any. Do feel free to get in touch if you can't make it for the live show, but you still have questions. You can find us on percysgrowroom.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just drop us a message with any questions you might have, and we'll be happy to answer them on the show on Sunday. But as usual, thank you for being here. Thank you for downloading the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope to catch you on the next one, which will be the Cannabis News on Monday if you can't join us for the live show on Sunday. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.